From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And it was a big week on Capitol Hill. The House did manage to pass a big debt limit bill to raise the debt limit into next year and to force spending cuts. This was a key leadership test for Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He passed it. Democrats were betting he couldn't, but he did. And we want to talk about what that means for this debt limit crisis and where we go from here, uh, which is, is still not clear, but we want to get to that. Joining me for that is Lindsay McPherson, who covers leadership and the politics of appropriations on Capitol Hill. Thanks again for joining me, Lindsay. Always happy to be here. And Laura Weiss, who covers tax policy and the, de- the debt limit coverage uh, for CQ Roll Call. Thanks again, Laura. Thanks for having me. So... The House had its big vote, and it squeaked to passage, 217 to 215, razor thin, but he got it through. Uh, Democrats, of course, pronounced it dead on arrival. Just to remind folks, this is, a, this is a bill that would raise the debt limit, which is needed by this summer, sometime June, July, we think, so that the Treasury can keep paying its bills. Uh, this This would raise the debt limit into next year, up to maybe March. But it also comes with all these strings attached that Republicans wanted, which are all these caps on discretionary spending, repealing Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, uh, clawing back COVID pandemic money, a a whole bunch of stuff here, clawing back the uh, money for the IRS, the extra IRS tax enforcement money, putting in new work requirements for for food stamps, Medicaid, basic welfare, speeding up energy permitting. So a whole bunch of strings attached to this debt limit increase. Democrats don't like it. Lindsay, what happens now? Well, I mean, what Republicans wanted to happen is that President Joe Biden and congressional Democrats would actually decide to negotiate on conditions So far, they have said they will not do that. They still want a clean debt limit increase. So we're kind of in a standoff at the moment. Um, It does, to some degree, put the pressure on Democrats because House Republicans can now say, well, we've acted, we've done our job, and the Senate could attempt to bring up a clean bill. It doesn't seem like they're imminently planning that, but they wouldn't be able to get 60 votes for it, most likely. Um, Senate Republicans are so far backing the House Republicans and wanting to negotiate spending cuts. So it doesn't seem like there'd be enough Republicans to peel off and get 60 votes to break a filibuster, clean debt limit increase. So we're kind of at a standstill until Democrats decide they're willing to negotiate some kind of compromise. Yeah. And it was striking that that Democrats are still giving no ground here um, because, you know, I remember the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, has been, had been saying for weeks he just didn't believe that McCarthy could get that bill passed in the House. He thought that the Republican conference was so divided that you know the, spe- the spending cuts would prove either too weak for the hardline conservatives or too tough for the moderates, and they'd never be able to pass it. But 
McCarthy did get it passed. So Schumer's game plan there, his sort of gamble that it wouldn't pass is now out the window. But Schumer's giving no ground, right? He's still saying we need to do a clean debt limit increase, no strings attached. Right. He's not giving any ground. Um, I think that certainly they might start to recalibrate their strategy a bit, but for now they haven't. Um, their initial reaction was the same as it always was. You know, we, we don't want to negotiate around whether to pay our bills on time. And is that tenable? Probably not. I mean, House Republicans have been pretty clear they're not going to pass a clean debt limit bill. Obviously, McCarthy controls the floor. He doesn't even have to bring something up to the floor. If, But it's not like the Senate could send him a clean debt limit bill. As I just discussed, they wouldn't have 60 votes for that. So really, the pressure is on Democrats to do something because at the end of the day, if in the blame game, if something were to go wrong, I think House Republicans have the stronger um, argument because they have passed something um, that they're not to blame, whether you like it or not. It, it, yeah, they can say they did pass a bill to right. raise the debt limit and Democrats haven't. Right. And it sounds like now House Republicans are going to sit back, obviously, and wait to see what Democrats do because they've passed their bill. And so the pressure now does shift, I think, to the Democrats to come up with something. Um, we did try to press them yesterday on on what they were prepared to do. Most of them did seem to still seems unwilling to budge, saying we can't hold the debt limit hostage. We have to have a clean debt limit increase, even though they know, Lindsay, as you point out, there aren't the votes to pass that and it would never pass the House. I tried to press them a little bit to say, but you know, you've got to have something and you're going to have to give the Republicans something just to get a bill done. And a few of them maybe talked very tentatively there on, on, on things they could give up. We do have a story up on CQ.com that sort of describes today potential areas of compromise, potential places where, you know, more centrist lawmakers could look to, to kind of cobble together some kind of bipartisan deal still hard to see that coming together right now, but there are pieces of this Republican bill that if watered down, I guess, is conceivable, could be part of a final package. I mean, the, 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 toughest, the toughest hurdle here is the, is the Republican push for caps on discretionary spending, right? I mean, that's over $3 trillion in savings they won over a decade. The Democrats warned would lead to huge cuts in a lot of domestic programs that, that would be untenable for them. But the question is, could they do a series of spending cut, cuts that, that are, that are may, maybe less severe, but still something? Is that at all possible? Yeah, I, I think we're starting to see some areas that could be potential compromise. We got, as you mentioned, you know, our team you know, talking to people, pressing them a bit, have got some responses um, that maybe there could be some interest in work requirements. That's something Joe Manchin also kind of hinted at and that there could be interest in a fiscal commission and in some kind of, of spending caps or reductions, even if it's not near what Republicans want. But there are still tough areas here. Senator Cassidy threw out the idea that maybe you know, House Republicans wanted to roll back some really key features of Democrats' climate health care tax law last year. That 
doesn't seem like it's likely to happen at all. That was a signature achievement for Democrats that they celebrated and continue to celebrate. So I don't know that there's any openness there, but he threw out the idea that the clean energy tax credits have been more popular, it seems, than originally JCT thought when that bill passed and became law. So the cost has really grown significantly. Uh, The repeal that Republicans passed in the House scored at $515 billion. They, you know, carved out some biofuels credits in the end. So it wasn't quite the full package. But Senator Cassidy was talking about maybe there's a way to get that cost a little bit closer to what Democrats thought they were doing. I still think that's really a tough sell. I don't think Democrats will want to touch that. But you're starting to hear some hints at areas, but I think we're still quite far from agreement. Yeah, the, the 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 green tax credit thing was a huge hurdle for McCarthy to overcome, right? Because he had a lot of hesitant Midwesterners, biofuel supporters who who didn't like the idea of repealing those tax credits for for green energy. And uh, in the end, he had to cave a little on that and tweak the bill at the last minute to to restore some of those credits, right? Yeah, and he was able to walk that line because it was tough because you had other. Republicans as well who were uncomfortable with voting to repeal other tax credits who ultimately got in line, even though biofuels supporters got their carve out. And I think it really showed how powerful that faction is in the Republican conference. I mean, it's really key swaths of the Midwest and it's it's huge, not just for biofuel producers, but for farmers of corn, soybeans and crops like that. So a pretty uh, powerful motivator. And in the end, the Iowa delegation and some other members as well from states like Missouri and Minnesota were just totally unwilling to vote for something that could then be used to say they uh, rejected these biofuel incentives. And there also seemed to be a little bit of nervousness, Laura, from Republicans anticipating that they could be accused of voting for a tax increase by repealing these tax credits, right? Yeah, that wasn't something that was as uh, explicitly brought up in the sort of negotiations and demands, but there was clearly some signs of nerves there about it because you have this significant repeal of clean energy tax credits and, you know, a lot of that scoring as um, revenue for the federal government. And then you have, on the flip side, a repeal of funding for the IRS that, you know, they were looking at sort of as offsetting because if you're going, doing less tax enforcement, people are paying less taxes is what kind of that is aimed at. So, Uh, But those numbers were really far apart. So on net, they were definitely raising more revenue, which is something that typically Republicans don't want to do and receive a lot of pressure not to do. Um, But they were able to kind of tamp that down, to kind of leave it an open question mark. I think there's also the fact that this won't ultimately become law in its current form. Um, But they ended up sort of making some slight arguments around that clean energy tax credit repeal that it wasn't, that it was maybe trying to argue who knows how much is spending, who knows how much is um, sort of would be considered a tax increase because these clean energy companies are no longer getting 
tax incentives, tax credits from the federal government. So they were able to dance through that. But um, I think it is something where if a if a bill was becoming law, perhaps the drumbeat gets louder. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting esoteric argument there of is repealing a tax credit repealing spending or is it or does it amount to a tax increase? It gets a little hairy. It depends how you define it. But um, it was an interesting debate. And you could you could see Republicans were nervous that they could be attacked on it because you had this tip of of the House Ways and Means chairman, Jason Smith, uh, writing a letter to McCarthy to sort of put it on the record that they want to make sure this doesn't count as a tax increase in the future or something to that effect, right? Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was interesting because that was kind of the main like public facing bubbling up of that, acknowledging it. Um, but yeah, and, and that letter kind of indicated we're going to keep looking at this. We're going to keep uh, examining it. It's tricky. It's new. But uh, there was clearly some discomfort there. And Lindsay, I think, you know, probably the easiest thing they could do for 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 a, a bipartisan compromise bill that politicians always use when they don't want to make the tough decisions is to appoint a commission, right? So there's this idea of, of appointing a fiscal commission that would recommend future deficit reduction strategies, which is a way of, you know, making it look like you're you're tackling the deficit without having to make the tough decisions right now because you punt it to a commission that will come up with recommendations. Uh, but obviously that's something that that it's easier for both sides to to come on board with. Could we see something like that in this in a final debt limit bill? Potentially. I mean, it was not in Republicans' plan. There was no fiscal commission in there, but this is something that centrists in both parties keep pointing back to as like kind of a low-hanging fruit option. However, for to get like Republican leadership on board, Kevin McCarthy and a good chunk of his conference, you have to have more than just a fiscal commission. So could a fiscal commission be one component of a final deal? Sure. But I think the reason we hear a lot about it is that Democrats have supported um, various versions of this in the past. There's, you know, a bill out there called the Trust Act that um, Mitt Romney and Joe Manchin have authored with um, some other centrists. Um that would have set up commissions to have look at all the insolvent trusts or the trust funds that will become insolvent, including social security, Medicare highway trust fund. Um, but then there's other ideas for just kind of one big commission, the problem solvers caucus in the house. It's a bipartisan group of 32 Democrats and 32 Republicans have put together a framework that says we should create an outside fiscal commission. So not made up of lawmakers to come up with long-term deficit reduction recommendations and their framework calls for having that um, commission to uh, be set up and then report recommendations by I think February, 2025 in the interim, their framework says that in the budget and appropriations process this year, that, um, lawmakers should come up with some short-term fiscal controls. And then if they do, then the debt limit could be automatically um, extended through 2020 into early 2025 to give the fiscal commission time to report their recommendations. So that's kind of an idea that they have floated. But what is really lacking from the problem solvers framework is what those short-term controls would be. Because that, that basically goes back to what needs to be negotiated is what can get us into a year from now or whatever time this debt limit increase is going to be, what is satisfactory enough right. that 
kick the can down the road to Republicans. And I do want to go back briefly to budget caps because that, that seems to me the one thing that they really want more than anything are budget caps. That Republicans and, want, yeah. Yeah, it's for Republicans, to be clear. Um, obviously, they've been pushing, going back to this fiscal 22 level for the upcoming fiscal year, where that would be about $1.47 trillion. Um, that's the cap in their bill. And um, Democrats aren't going to go for that number, but Democrats have negotiated um, budget cap deals in the past, a lot of times lifting the budget caps that were enacted in um, 2011 in the last big debt limit fight. But they did negotiate, despite what they say, that the debt limit was raised consistently with no issues under the Trump administration. They pushed to lift the spending caps at the time. And Trump and Republicans negotiated on that. So I think it's not crazy to expect that there could be some negotiation about round a spending cap. It certainly wouldn't obviously be as low as Republicans are proposing if there were a bipartisan compromise, but they have to come up with some kind of agreement for the spending bills anyways. So why not just get it done here and now? I mean, maybe I'm, it, that, that's probably too easy. Obviously it's not going to be that easy, but to me that seems like a logical place that, they could have conversations. So we could see some kind of spending cap, which would serve, you know, for the coming year's budget anyway, you're saying, agree on that first as a way to, as a, as a way to curb discretionary spending as part of this deal. Right. That's really what House Republicans want. And if there's a number, they have to agree on something anyways, or we're just going to be stuck in a CR. So it just seems like an obvious place to have conversations. It's not going to be easy for them to reach a compromise by any means, but it's just... If they're going to talk, that seems like an obvious thing to talk about. Yeah. And then the other very difficult piece of this, I think, that Republicans are also really eager for, though, is they make the point that, you know, these huge structural deficits that we have now of over a trillion dollars a year, discretionary spending is not really the cause of it. For all these talks about the caps on discretionary spending, that's not really what's driving these huge deficits. It's, it's really the entitlement programs and interest on the debt. And so if you don't tackle the entitlement programs, you're really not you're really not getting far in terms of deficit reduction. You're making a dent, but you're not getting that far. And that's why there's this real eagerness for work requirements on on a lot of these uh, programs like food stamps and Medicaid and welfare um, that Democrats are really resistant to because they say uh, there's not much evidence it really does get people back to work and it it's just another hindrance to getting them on their feet and giving them the help they need. It's a difficult if it's it's a really difficult social debate as to whether these work requirements make sense, whether they're too stringent, whether they're not stringent enough. That to me sounds like a really hairy problem to work through. That they might, but they might have to, right, get something on that in order to get a deal together. Right. I mean, they have ne- had bipartisan agreement on work requirements in the past. Obviously, Republicans keep pointing to the Bill Clinton era work requirements for welfare programs, and specifically that Biden supported them as a senator. So, cert- certainly there's an opportunity for compromise, but I think the politics have changed a lot. I, I think yet, like you said, that there's been more like research that maybe they don't work as well as intended Democrats. I don't think that had that view back then. Most of them don't have it now. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be hard to get to any kind of compromise there, but it's something Republicans feel very strongly about. And if they don't get it in the debt limit, they're just going to push for it on the farm bill, at least on the uh, food stamps, the supplemental nutrition assistance program. 
Um, so, you know, again, I have to compromise now to avoid a fight on another thing. Like it goes back to the caps. You're going to have an appropriations fight regardless. If you want to avoid the fight on um, the farm bill, just get it resolved now. I mean, but this is me being practical. I don't think the lawmakers might be that practical. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And we should say that there are already work requirements to get food stamps, but this is a matter of toughening them, making them, even, I think, extending the age for when they apply, that kind of thing. So is yeah, there well, a middle ground there? That's thing I think Republicans feel most strongly about is that states have had too much flexibility in being able to waive the existing requirements. And so they want to tighten that to make it harder for states to waive it. But yes, they're also talking about raising the age, um, some other things, but I think that they feel most strongly about um, making sure states can't just wait the existing law. And work requirements for Medicaid would be a new thing. So that's, that's an even tougher one. Um, Cause that, that's a whole new ball game for the Medicaid program if they choose to do that. So I think that would be a tougher fight. So whether they insist on that is another question. Right. Um, so all of these, I mean, all of this has to come together. I mean, I'm looking at the calendar here, folks. Um, this is the, we've reached the end of April. Uh, we're going to get another update very soon as to whether, what the actual X date is of when Treasury runs out of borrowing authority. We think it's either June or July. Can they, I mean, something would have to come together this coming month of May. They have very little time here to make a deal happen now. Yeah, I think obvious. it's obvious, but the June X date would be much, much more difficult, a lot more, you know, needing to be done quickly. I think I'm, I do wonder if perhaps that's something the White House is sort of looking at now, if we will see like anything shift at all when we really know the timeline here. Um, but yeah, that definitely puts in the context for what we'll see in the weeks ahead. Any guess here who has the upper hand ultimately on this? I mean, McCarthy made his his show of force here by getting this bill passed. Joe Biden still has the White House in the bully pulpit and has been adamant that there will be no negotiating over the debt limit. Uh, and he has a Democratic-controlled Senate, although not filibuster-proof. Um, any guess who really has the upper hand here? Which way they have to? Which way they have to fall? My sense is Republicans have the upper hand now that they've passed something. I think before that you could argue it either way, but because Republicans have acted and Democrats don't have the ability to pass a bill in the Senate without Republican support there, that I don't think Democrats have a, much of a leg to stand on to not do anything and not negotiate. I just it's hard to see how they can. That's a tenable position for them. You know, whether their arguments have merit or not, it's just at the end of the day, Republicans do control one third of the equation here when we're talking about the negotiation between the House, Senate and the White House. And you can't ignore them. You don't have to agree to four point eight trillion in deficit reduction like they have this in this bill, but you can find a compromise. Yeah. They, you know, just like they've done for Democrats in the past. Like I said, they, they, they keep arguing that Democrats or that during the Trump administration, they had clean debt limit increases. They were not clean. They just went the opposite direction. They raised spending. So, Do you think either party is prepared to blow the debt ceiling, you know, trigger default and just try to blame the other side? No, 
and that's why there will be negotiations in my mind. It's just a matter of when um, and how long they think they can play chicken with the Republicans. And I just like, we've seen the Republicans stand firm on this in the past. I wouldn't take that position if I were Democrats, but you know, we'll see how long it plays out, but they're going to. Laura, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think either side is going to take it quite that far. I think there is a real chance, especially with, you know, depending on where the X date lands, that it gets pretty close. And that's, you know, not necessarily great for the economy. We could still, who knows what exactly will happen, but that timeline matters too. And now that Republicans have passed their debt limit bill, they do have time in the interim here, I think, to get at some tax measures that you've been reporting on that may be coming down the pike pretty soon. I just wanted to get that in. Well, what are they working on right now and what should we expect to see? Yeah, so we we found out and were able to report this week that House Republicans are working on some kind of package. The aim of it and thrust of what they're looking at, they're terming kind of like economic growth. Um, and that is expected to have um, a tax component that could be pretty significant, at the very least extending three business tax benefits that phase down under the 2017 tax law. And the Republicans have really been eager to extend a couple of them lapsed already last year. So um, businesses are sort of in a position they didn't expect needing to really push hard for these. Um, So that's certainly something that a lot of companies will be glad to see, even if the bill isn't necessarily something that would get any Democratic support. Um, But there's a whole range of things that we've heard have come up in sort of the talks around this, everything from relief from a lower threshold for tax reporting for online sellers and gig workers. That's something Republicans really seem to unanimously agree on to maybe something on affordable housing or something else for sort of lower income families um, that would really be, I think, um, you know, Jason Smith has said that's something he wanted to be a focus for Ways and Means. So that would be notable if, you know, he makes sure something is in there on that Um, and some other things as well. But I think what's notable is some of the things that we've heard have come up in talks uh, do have at least some bipartisan support. So I think it's really hard to tell at this point based on the broader contours. But if we see a tax package in this economic bill that has some bipartisan things, especially if it does something for lower income families, as Democrats have demanded, I wonder if we'll see the seeds of discussions that could finally move tax legislation that has been stalled since those talks really fizzled at the end of last year over a standoff between extending business tax breaks and the child tax credit expansion Democrats want to see that Republicans wouldn't discuss at the time. So um, I think it'll be interesting and we should see that unveiled sometime in May or June. I'm sure, you know, that depends a bit on how much activity is going on with the debt limit, but um, that's when we're expecting to see that. Well, that's interesting. Do you think they're they're trying to get a bipartisan bill, or is this going to be a, more of a partisan messaging bill that goes nowhere in the in the Senate? No, so I'm expecting it to be solidly partisan, a Republican bill. But I I do think they're looking at at the very least on tax, which is you know what we have reported and really fleshed out. 
I think they are looking at something that potentially could have bipartisan appeal or bipartisan pieces. So, pardon me, I think even if the broader bill is sort of dead in the Senate, uh, you could still see the seeds of negotiations. You could still see House Republicans, for example, and this is not something that, you know, came up in our reporting, but we just, you know, if they included, for example, you know, something on broader, lower, something for lower income families like Democrats have pushed the child tax credit, you know, that's a sign they're willing to come to the table on tax. So I don't know necessarily that we'll see that. Um, but Jason Smith, you know, Ways and Means Chairman has been very eager to make clear that he thinks the Republican Party should serve the working class. So I think this is also an opportunity for him to put his stamp on that. All right. Well, that's interesting. We'll look and see what develops on the tax front. And we will certainly be keeping our eyes on the big debt limit battle as we as we do every day. But that's all the time we have for now. Thanks again to Laura Weiss for joining me. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Lindsay McPherson. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear here, you should Subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter that would hit your email every morning when Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. You can track all of our coverage on the debt limit and all other budget matters at CQ.com and RollCall.com. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time. 